that wouldn't last forever because I wanted to start a family. And so I knew that there was going to be this weaning off of the medication. And my doctor had told me, as we start to wean you off the medication, the first sign of any sort of pain or anything different, we're going to have to put you on a different medication. And having seen what the first medication did to my body and in my opinion, giving me the arthritis, I know that it's been safe and approved and it's fine. But for me, I just would rather not go on another medication. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Good Health Cafe, the place to learn about how to navigate the healthcare system and understand health in plain language. I'm your host, Nikita Boston Fisher, a health educator with a passion for meeting people where they are. Today's guest is Miss Jessica Lorian. Jessica is an actress and she's the host of the Mamas in Training podcast. She came to the cafe to share how she received her psoriatic arthritis diagnosis and how she was able to successfully wean herself off her medications. Jessica also shares with us her motivation for doing so and her recommendations for living with an autoimmune disease. Grab your warm drink and tune in for a great conversation. Hi, Jessica. Welcome to the Good Health Cafe. Thank you so much for coming. Could you please introduce yourself? Thank you for having me. It's such a pleasure to be here and I love everything that you're doing. I think it's an important topic to discuss and healthcare in general can be so complicated. So it's often nice to have perspective from other people. I live in New York City, so that's where I'm at. I'm originally from Massachusetts, but I'm here in New York and I've been here for for about 14 years now. I'm an actor, so I came here pursuing the Big Apple and ended up traveling all over the country in a national tour and working regionally as an actor. I've done some voiceover work and commercial and have moved a little bit from theater into the more TV film commercial world. Started doing that before the pandemic and then it kind of worked out perfectly because the theater world totally shut down during the pandemic. So around that time as well, I really started A, thinking about my health because I was in a big moment of change and wanted something positive to focus on. And so I started my own podcast as well. So I live here in New York City with my husband. We have been together this weekend, married for five years, together for 14. Wow. Thank you. And and yeah, I, I'm just, I'm a creative, I'm an entrepreneur, actor, singer, dancer, podcast host, kind of all creative things. Very yeah. fun. I don't know how you keep up. I don't either, to be honest. <laughs> a lot of time management tools. <laughs> Can you please share your health story with us? Yeah. So, you know, to be completely honest with you, my health journey in life was always pretty great. Growing up, I didn't really have any of the teenage woes or anything like that can't complain. I'm knock on wood here, but I never broke a bone. I never had any, you know, real hardships, but right around the time when I got the opportunity, like I mentioned to travel the world doing a national tour, I was under a lot of stress and I'm not sure if this is what brought it on, but I ended up first developing psoriasis and it started off as just a few little spots around my body. I actually thought it was bed bugs at the time. But one of my best girlfriends was visiting me from Chicago and she was doing auditions with me every day. She was sleeping in my bed and she didn't have any bed bug bites. And I thought, well, that's odd. Now, looking back, I kind of wish it was bed bugs. (laughs) But as it turned out, I ended up getting diagnosed with psoriasis and simultaneously 
got the job offer to be on the national tour, which is a really interesting combination of having like the highest moment in my life combined with one of the lowest health moments of my life and trying to navigate how those two fit together and worked together was very interesting. And went on tour and had an amazing time, but my skin started to worsen and worsen to the point that a year pretty much after I was completely covered head to toe. Luckily, my face was saved, but from my scalp all the way down to my toes, I mean, I was just covered with psoriasis. It was a very, very severe case. And it was getting really bad and painful that I had to go on some sort of medication. I didn't know what to do. At the time, I also tried like all different kinds of crazy health concoctions and all of these things, but it was, it was almost too far gone. And I was too emotionally ruined, I guess, truly. It sounds dramatic, but it's true to really take on anything holistic or any other way of uh, navigating this. So I got put on a medication that managed it and it ended up slowly but surely improving. By that point, my skin was already pretty much scarred. I mean, truly, it was it totally scarred. And about a year after being on that second medication, I started to, to develop some pain in and around my knees, ankles, and feet. And I'll never forget, I was still on tour and I hadn't missed a, a performance, which is a really, it, it's a thing of pride that you hold as a performer and as an actor. You don't miss a show unless you absolutely cannot go on. I mean, literally, I remember this is a side note story, but I remember we were in a production where multiple people in the cast kept on getting the same bug, mm -hmm. the stomach bug, but people would not call out so much to the point that they would literally go on stage, do their scene, come off and get sick in the wings. I mean, oh, wow. that is kind of the level that we hold pride of performing. So I ended up developing this pain and I remember my now husband, boyfriend at the time, he was visiting me and we were in, and this house that we were renting out, I literally this one night could not walk to the bathroom. I had so much pain and I thought it was from these sandals that I had bought because it always takes some breaking in, mm -hmm. but then the pain started coming back weekly, every Saturday, which is come back, come back, come back. And I had to end up calling out of shows and it was heartbreaking. And I didn't know if I was going to be able to dance anymore. And well, after a lot of back and forth and figuring it out and doctor to doctor and all of these things, I ended up getting diagnosed with the arthritic part. So I was officially diagnosed with psoriatic arthritis and was told pretty much that this autoimmune disease would be with me forever you didn't really know how it could go away or if it would ever go away and how to manage it. And so I got taken off that one medication that I was on because in my opinion, I think it gave me the arthritis. No one would ever really admit to that, but that's what I think. And then they put me on another medication that was even stronger. And the hard part for me at the time, it was okay, but I knew over time it would be a challenge it was that I could not get pregnant on the second medication. And so in order for us to start a family in the future, I would have to be off the medication. I would actually have to have an abortion if I ended up getting pregnant. It was, it was a really big decision that I was making. And, you know, I also had to watch my alcohol intake and things like that, but I was desperate. So yeah, it was one of the hardest health 
the hardest health situation that I've ever had to go through. And I didn't know what the future would hold, which made it even scarier. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. Out of curiosity for dancing your shows that you were doing when you first had your flare-ups, did you happen to have long sleeve costumes or it didn't matter what your skin looked like? Well, I, I actually did. I was essentially covered except my chest. Mm -hmm. So like my costume went a little off my shoulder and then exposed my whole chest. My legs were exposed, but I had tights on. So you really couldn't see with the tights. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't, a. I mean, it it hurt to put the costumes on, but it wasn't really a problem until further down the road. And I'll never forget this other time where my, my director, the whole production team, they were really wonderful and supportive and understanding. But the director did come up to me at one point and pulled me aside and said, you know, Jess, I think you're going to have to put, start putting a little bit of makeup on your chest because we are starting to see your skin from the audience and it's looking like there's something wrong. Mm-hmm. And that was a hard pill to swallow for sure. Yeah. But from there on out, I just, I put makeup on every single night, which probably didn't help the issue. What would you say were the toughest parts of your experience? I was experiencing one of the best career moments of my life. And truly, I often think that if I experienced that, living in this concrete jungle of New York and going after auditions and living the life that I had previously lived, I don't know if I would have survived it. Like, I think I would have had some serious meltdown, Mm -hmm. but because I had the distraction of performing on stage, having an unbelievable cast and very supportive friends traveling the country, seeing all kinds of sights and experiences that helped distract me. But even so the constant reminder, you know, like being exposed because I had to change into costumes to also new audiences every week. So when you travel around in a national tour, you have a different costume crew that helps you out backstage. And so every week, sometimes multiple times a week, if we were in different cities, I'd have to explain. They would always ask like, oh, what happened to you? Or, oh, did mosquitoes attack you? Or, you know, all these things. And people mean, well, they, they don't, they just don't know what to say. But it was the constant having to respond and answer and explain. It was really exhausting. And yeah. for my cast, they didn't look at me any differently. And I felt comfortable around them. But it was that type of thing that was exhausting. Not to mention then when it was summer, I was wearing long pants and long sleeves because I was just too embarrassed. There was no way I would wear shorts. So there was definitely a level of personal, you know, self-confidence and all that that Mm kind of went out the window. You say people mean well, and they often do. What would you recommend to people who mean well, but are probably fumbling the ball? What are better ways that they can Meanwhile, I honestly just think that saying nothing is best and it's the hardest thing. I mean, even for me, I have found if I see somebody that I think they have what I had, I'm so tempted to just say something and say, you know, like I hear, I feel you. And if you're open to it, I'd love to give you some suggestions, but you don't know where anybody is in their path, you know, and you don't know how someone will receive that. So I just honestly think just leading all the time with just kindness and understanding and really, truly just not saying anything 
you know, that good old fashioned, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. Even those things that we think might be nice, they might hurt more than we realize. So yeah, that's a tricky, tricky thing. Yeah. Can you think of something positive someone did to support you? Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, I think the way, well, firsthand, I mean, this is kind of a unique situation (laughs) being on the road, your roommates, you know, you sleep with other people in the room and my one roommate, she was amazing. But then oftentimes we would also pile up into a group of four ladies in a room to save some money. And every single especially my roommate, but every single girl who was in my room, I mean, they would volunteer to put lotion on my body because I needed to cover my body with lotion every single time I got out of the shower. And sometimes I was using a steroid cream and I had to put it on all the spots and it could take forever. And I couldn't reach my back or behind my lower legs or whatever. So those kind of offerings of, you know, I can do this for you. Or I ended up deciding to go gluten-free when I was on tour. And so having friends that would come across a gluten-free item and would bring it to the theater when it was call time. And they would say, hey, Jess, I saw this gluten-free cookie. I thought you might like it. And that just made my day. You know, So knowing that I had the support in those kinds of ways was huge. That's really nice. Yeah. From what I can see of you now, you look pretty good and no spots. So what was your path to recovery like? Yeah. So truly, I have to say the medication that I was on that was severe and intense, it brought me to a great place. However, I knew that that wouldn't last forever because I wanted to start a family. And so I knew that there was going to be this weaning off of the medication. And my doctor had told me, As we start to wean you off the medication, the first sign of any sort of pain or anything different, we're going to have to put you on a different medication. And having seen what the first medication did to my body and in my opinion, giving me the arthritis, I know that it's been safe and approved and it's fine. But for me, I just would rather not go on another medication. So I made it my mission back in 2019 to try to do everything I could to heal my body before I started weaning off the medication. So I ended up doing an autoimmune diet. The one specific one that I followed was Dr. Amy Meyer's autoimmune solution. And I'll put out there that there's all kinds of opinions on autoimmune diets and diets in general and all of this stuff. But for me, this is what I chose and this is what worked. And I always kind of feel like it's worth a try you know. So it was a pretty rigid system for 30 days. You went very strict, limited a lot of things. And then it was a process of adding certain things back in. And she walks you through the entire process in the book and in her cookbook. And then slowly but surely, it just becomes your way of life. And there's certain things that you bring back and you can have. And then there's other things that you never go back to. Or in my case, you know, listen, I'm not perfect. Nobody is. Occasionally, like for my anniversary this weekend, I might have a little treat. I might have something I don't typically have. But for the most part, my everyday life, you know, I'm quote unquote good. 
And really it's just become my way of eating. It's not my diet. It's just my way of eating and the way that I eat. And so I started it and then it was about, I'd say three or four months after I started the diet, I slowly started weaning myself off the medication. And I ended up actually taking longer than I expected because of COVID and not having insurance and all of these things and factors. But as of this past December, I'm completely medication-free and knock on wood, I feel good. I have, you know, small little spots on my elbows and the backs of my ankles just looks like dry skin, but I have had absolutely, you know, no negative response. And yeah, and I still live my life and I don't feel like I am without, you know, so I healed myself. And I think it's, it's the type of thing. I think first you have to come up with your why, which I'm always passionate about talking about, because for me, my why was holding that baby in my hands one day. And without a why, I don't think you can really accomplish anything. And that's what helped me navigate the hard moments or the family gatherings where I really wanted X, Y, or Z. And then it was coming up with a plan. So I had a plan for guidelines and things that I knew that I wanted to do. And then it was just time and slowly, but surely trusting that this was going to work, having the support of my family and my husband and friends. And now it's amazing to see and to feel like I look back at some of those pictures and I'm like, Oh my gosh, how did I, how did I, you know, live like that when I feel so great now. And I'll also say that like, I have no pain, but in addition, like I work out very hard. I lift weights. I go to the gym every day. So it's not like I'm being delicate with my body. I mean, I'm still, I'm back to the point that, you know, I'm not hesitating to just live my life fully. Are you still working with your doctor who I presume must be a rheumatologist? Yes, that was my rheumatologist. And as of about January, February, I'm not, but it's only because of insurance reasons. And because he was in my hometown of Massachusetts and I've been in New York city, I was like, I need to get somebody else here. And I ended up meeting a rheumatologist here that if I need, I'll go to, but as of now, I don't need anybody. I'm off all my medication. So, you know, hopefully I won't need to go back. That's awesome. Yeah. Can you tell me a little bit about your interactions with the health system. Do you have any examples of when you've had to advocate for yourself and how did that go? Yeah. The very first one was, and the most glaring one was when it was about a year in, it was when I started, I had the arthritis was coming and I had had psoriasis now for about a year and a half. And I started to develop these spots in and around my ankles and my feet. And they felt different from my psoriasis. They looked completely different from my psoriasis it was a different kind of a pain than my psoriasis spots. And so I went into my dermatologist and I asked him if he could check these out. And he said, oh, that's just psoriasis. And I said, okay, well, can you please do a biopsy? Because they look different. They feel different. Well, I'm 99% sure that those are, that that's psoriasis spots. Okay, great. But please do a biopsy. And I literally had to beg him. We went back and forth like three or four times. And I had to beg him for a biopsy. And finally he said, okay, I'll do a biopsy. And he did. And sure enough, it wasn't, it was vasculitis. And when I went back to my rheumatologist, my rheumatologist said, it's a really good thing that you got a biopsy of these because 
had we not treated this as vasculitis, it's basically a swelling of your blood vessels. It could have gotten worse and affected future organs. So I was like, wait a minute. Why, why doesn't everybody think about this and know this? And why did I have to fight so much Mm -hmm. to get this, you know? And so I always like to encourage people that, you know, your own body, you've lived with it for 20, 30, 40, 50, whatever years, you know it best. And sometimes, yes, the, the medical system, they trained, they went to school, they did all the things and they get paid the big bucks maybe, but they don't necessarily know everything and they could be wrong. So we do absolutely have to advocate for ourselves at all times. Were you nervous about pushing or did that come naturally to you? You know, ironically, it came naturally to me, which a lot of things hadn't like that in the past, but I think I was so fed up with how I had been feeling and I had been in so much pain and I was at my wits end, you know, that I I just didn't care anymore. Mm-hmm. But I mean, the thing is like, what, what is there to be nervous about? Yeah. I know that we are, I know that all of us are, but like, why for them to say that you're wrong or for them to say no, or, okay, fine, go find another provider. There's plenty of them out there, mm-hmm. you know, such a tricky, weird thing. You're right. What is there to be nervous about? Yeah. What are they going to do? Like you go to the corner, you have a timeout. <laughs> They're not going to do that. You're not. You're too much of a bother. Call my colleague down the road. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Okay, fine. Great. On it. You yeah. know, I'm paying you actually, you know, you're not paying me. So fantastic point. What myths and misconceptions do you think might need to be dispelled around having an autoimmune disease like psoriasis? Well, I mean, once again, I, this is not medical advice. This is not for everybody, but you can heal from it. I mean, I'm living proof of it and knock on wood, it never comes back, but for now I'm feeling fabulous. So I think we have the power to take back our health. And I think oftentimes that's overlooked. And speaking of the healthcare system, they're so quick to just throw you a medication. I mean, like I said, my doctor, my rheumatologist even had said to me, oh, the second you discover any sort of pain or anything different, we're going to have to put you on another medication. And even if that were to happen, I wouldn't have done it right away. I would have stopped weaning myself off and rechecked my diet, maybe rechecked my stress, maybe gone to do acupuncture, you know, tried some other things. And it's really unfortunate that a lot of the natural, holistic, functional type medicine, unfortunately, is not covered. And it's so expensive to get that type of care, at least in the States. But I think the kind of myth and perception that we have is that we go to the doctor, we go to the hospital, we go to the medical world to fix us, but they're really just covering up our symptoms. So we feel good in the meantime, but there are so many testimonials, myself included of people who don't have to keep paying, you know, the big bucks to the medical companies and to the CVSs and, you know, all of these pharmacies, there are ways that you can do it. And so I would just want to encourage everybody that if there's something, anything that you're going through, little or, you know, little or big to find your why, because that's going to be the root in any sort of change that you make. And then just try it. It can't hurt. And I know that, you know, 
thinking about having that burger or that pizza or that ice cream and that candy, you know, is really, really appealing. But if it's right for you, it might not be for everybody. If it's right for you and it could be life-changing, it might be the option that you choose or the decision that you make. I'm curious, Jessica, because you you have your big why, you really want to get pregnant and have a baby. Do you think you would have been honest and said that you were starting to feel pain again? That's a very good question. And I had actually thought about this and I had sort of decided that it would depend on the level of pain Mm. because there was always a certain level of pain that I would be able to deal with. You know, like Mm. I ended up sort of getting a little bit at some point down the road too, like pain, ache, I should call it ache in my fingers. So like an ache in my fingers is manageable. If it means I couldn't pick up a baby or couldn't carry things, that's different. A general ache in my feet, ankle or knees is manageable. But if it means I have to buy a cane, like I did when I first got diagnosed, that's not, you know, Mm -hmm. okay. So, so yes, I think I would have admitted it, maybe not completely to the rheumatologist, but it depends on how, how manageable it would have been. I think that's fair. Yeah. Where are you in your journey to motherhood? Yeah. So after I was off the medication, I had to wait several months before the medication was completely out of my system in order for it to be safe. And so now my husband and I have decided we're not on a route to quote unquote try. We don't necessarily want that pressure, but we're just kind of leaving it up to the miracle of miracles. So we'll kind of see what happens. It would be nice to get pregnant sometime this year, but we'll see, you know, and, and it's definitely something as a female, I think that's in your mind way more than you even expect once the opportunity and the possibility is there. So I'm trying to also just live my life and not stress about it or have it take over because I know that that's caused a lot of people, a lot of stress and and struggle down the road, but yeah, we'll see. I mean, the nice thing is from the work that I've done, my vessel, meaning like my body is in a strong, welcoming environment for a child. So we'll see. Nice. (laughs) What would you recommend to someone who is going through or has gone through what you've gone through? There's so many levels to it and so many steps. First of all, you need to have the support. So whether it's one friend that you know that you can call and just talk to about anything that's going on and they can just be a listening ear, whether it's a therapist, whether it's a partner, whether it's a family member, whether it's one of each, you need the support for sure. And then you really need to evaluate like where you are in life and what you want to do about it. I mean, you might be 60 and get diagnosed with something and, you know, not want to have kids and not necessarily plan to make any big changes in your life. So medication is fine for you. Like go for it. Just, you know, have the medication that works, live your life. And I wish you all the best. Or you might be like me, it might be my situation, or you might be a teenager and know that you have a whole life ahead of you and you don't know where your life is going to go. And so maybe now you want to start implementing the steps for 
a healthier lifestyle that could potentially support or heal your autoimmune disease. So I think that's the next step is really understanding what is important to you and what you want to do about it. Because it's just because I went through what I went through doesn't mean that you're going to, or you should. It's all based on your priorities and your why. And if you don't have a why for it, then don't waste the time. You know, believe me, I, I wouldn't have if I didn't have to. And then if it is something that you want to do in terms of trying to heal yourself or getting yourself in a place that you feel would be healthier, um, for me, it, it would definitely just be finding some sort of a plan because it's really hard to do something cold turkey without the support of a plan and without knowing what's next. And I found that to be super helpful. So whether it's you follow a certain diet, whether it's you get a certain book like Autoimmune Solution or whatever, find something that works for you and something that's manageable. And then just have grace with yourself because there's going to be times where you're not 100% as you quote unquote should or want to be. And that's okay. But over time, and if you have grace with yourself, you give yourself time and you have the support that you need and you know why you're doing it, well, then you could have some really amazing results. That's nice advice. Thank you. When you got on the medication, was the intention that you'd take it for life? They had said like, you you can be on it forever. It's not, it wouldn't, I mean, listen, I'm sure it would potentially hurt something down the road. I don't know. They give you so many side effects with all this stuff, but I could be on it forever if I wanted to. So it was never intended to cure then? Oh, no. Okay. Oh, no, no, no. And they said, they specifically said, like, there is no cure for this. You have it Mm -hmm. for life. It's just a matter of, they explained it as, it's a matter of whether it goes dormant or not. Okay. And so there's a very good possibility that it could be dormant right now. But in my mind, it just works perfectly. The fact that I did what I did. Mm-hmm. And I don't really think that if I had continued living the lifestyle of eating and diet and everything that I had prior, and then just wean myself off the medication, that I would still be where I'm at today. Okay. And either way, I mean, I feel better. So it's kind of a win-win and it helps other things too. And your weaning was with your doctor's blessing? Yes. Nice. I had told him that I wanted to do this and it was, we did it together. And so that was a process, you know, I would go off for a month and I'd have to wait some time. And then, and there were two medications on the, at the time that I was on. So I'd have to do them like one and then the other so that it wasn't too much of a shock to the system. And then I kept getting my blood drawn every several months to double check that everything behind the scenes was was still operating as it should. Jess, you started a podcast called Mamas in Training. Tell me why. I needed something positive to focus on. I knew that when I started this diet, it was going to be hard. All of my friends were starting to have kids. And I was feeling a little like, woe is me, to be honest. And I needed something that would shift me from feeling woe is me to feeling like I had purpose and intention. And so I started Mamas in Training, which was an opportunity for me to learn from women who've been there, women, moms who have been there about what they wish they had known before they got pregnant. So first of all, there's not many places for aspiring future moms. And I wanted to create that because oftentimes when you look into learning about motherhood, the very first question is, when are you due? 
or, oh, are you trying? And no, I, none of those were my, my answer for a very long time. And so I wanted to create that space, first of all. And I just, like I said, I just wanted something positive. So I didn't want to sit there and just think about what I couldn't have yet. I wanted to take this opportunity to learn. And we study and learn everything else in life, but very rarely do we actually study parenthood or motherhood. And so I thought of it as an opportunity. Nice. I like that premise. I think you're yeah. right. I've never noticed that before. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah. And it gives us a good opportunity to, you know, we don't have the hormones racing through our body yet. And we don't have the stress of everything going on and the nursery to set up and the registry and the doctor's appointments, you know, so we can digest information in a very different way than when we're actually expecting. So I think it's actually a really wonderful opportunity if we can take the time as aspiring future moms to learn about motherhood. And then if you're willing to as well, we have a Facebook community that I encourage aspiring future moms to go into and to join because just hearing from other people's questions or from what other women are going through, we get to kind of file save that in the back for the future. So if anyone also would like to join our Facebook group, you're more than welcome to join us at Mamas in Training. It's just a great opportunity to connect and be in community with each other. If people could take one thing away from our conversation today, what do you think it should be? Well, I think it's something that you've talked about a couple times, and it's something that I talk about all the time, especially as a future aspiring mama, is advocacy and advocating for yourself. Whether we're talking about you and your experience in the healthcare system and whatever you're going through medically, whether it's you as a future mom or a current expecting mom or a mom down the road and advocating for the decisions that you're going to make or the decisions that you're going to make for your child. And, you know, even when I was on this diet or way of life, like I like to say, way of eating, I got a lot of pushback and you get a lot of hate when you decide to do something good for yourself. You decide you get, you'd get a lot of negativity when you decide to do something good for your body. People don't like it. People don't get it. They don't understand it. They're, I think, intimidated by it. And as a result, they put you down. So that would happen a lot. I mean, I'd pack my foods and go into work and I'd have all my meals prepped and people would ask me, oh, what you got there? Why are you doing that? Why don't you just eat this? It's free. You know, all, always. And you just have to, sometimes I would be like, because I want to have a baby, <laughs> you know, just shock them or say something that's, you know, a little bit out there that they might not expect. But you have to, that's why I say about having a why, like you have to know why you're doing whatever you're doing in life and advocate for that. And people, negativity is, or questioning is going to come at you whenever you're trying to do something good because people don't know how to do it and people don't have the courage. So if you have the courage to do something good for your health, then do it, stick up for yourself in doing it and advocate for the fact that this is what I want and this is what I need, or this is what my body is telling me. That's such a wonderful note to end on. Good. I'm glad. Thank you so much for coming to the Good Health Cafe today, Jessica. It was wonderful to have you. You're welcome. It was a pleasure to be here. And if anyone's an aspiring future mama or knows somebody, I'd love to have you over in the Facebook group or go check us out at Mamas in Training. 
Thanks. I'm going to put that link in the notes. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Some key takeaways from Jessica were know your why, be your own advocate, know your body. Having supportive people in your corner is essential and sometimes it's better not to say anything. As usual, if you would like to learn more about The Good Health Cafe, check out our website, www.thegoodhealthcafe.com. You can also follow us on social media or sign up for our mailing list. Until next time, see you in the cafe later. Bye.